Welcome back to Raised by Giants, where we talk all things spirituality. I'm Ryder Lee. Tonight, we have author, researcher, and futurist Johnny Enoch. But before I introduce him, check out Raised by Giants on Rockfin. It is a completely uncensored platform. Go over there, set up a free account, get all of my regular content that I post here on YouTube, and sign up for Rockfin's premium content, which is far less than a YouTube premium account at only $10 a month, and you'll get my premium uncensored content when it gets released and all of the other creators' premium content as well, like Beyond Classified, Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer, Zero with Sam Tripoli, Tinfoil Hat, Eddie Bravo, and Rex Bear Leak Project, and much more. Check the link in the description to sign up for the video streaming platform, Rockfin. Also, check out C60 Purple Power. It is the most powerful antioxidant on the planet. Helps with energy levels, skin problems, infections, eyesight, brain cognition, EMF radiation, and a lot more. It's a free radical sponge that gives your body the ability to heal itself. And if you use promo code GIANTS10 from the link in the description, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. I highly recommend it. I've been using it for over a year now with my own money, and I would not recommend something that doesn't work. So without further ado, introducing tonight's guest, Johnny Enoch. Johnny is an author, researcher of prehistoric civilizations, and a futurist that explores mysteries around the world. He is the host of the popular TV show like Gaia's Mystery Teachings, the Odyssey of Enoch, and featured on Deep Space Ancient Civilizations and the Travel Channel's Alaska Triangle. Johnny frequently takes expeditions to remote parts of the world to track down experts and crawl on his hands and knees under ancient temples searching for clues about our past. He has also used clinical hypnotherapy to work with ET contactees and do past life regressions. What makes his work different is how he connects the dots between the hidden symbolism found in the world's religions to quantum physics, alchemy, and the multiverse. Hello and welcome to the show, Johnny. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm joining you here from Budapest, Hungary. Yeah, I've been trying to get you on for a little while now and uh, things didn't seem to work out before, but I'm glad that uh, you were able to make it today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show, Ryder. And I do apologize. I don't mean to sound like a bit of a hermit. I've just been doing a lot of traveling and had a lot of different occurrences at once, but it's certainly great to be here. Yes, thank you. Um, so I guess where I want to start out today is it really seems like things are really coming down in our reality right now. And we're in like a a, a cyclical type of cycle right? And things are about to kind of break apart. Where do you see the next, I don't know, up until 2030? How do you think things are going to go up until that point? I don't think you're going to recognize the world by 2024, Ryder. I think the world is going to change in ways that you never imagined. There is going to be the introduction of centralized digital currencies. They're going to come in the world. By the next five years, you're going to hear that all of a sudden people have mass sterility and infertility. I think that's part of the plan. And you will find by the end of the decade, there will be the equivalent of an ethical reproduction certificate, although that will be attached to the same system that we find the centralized digital currencies on. And when you look at this, it will work like the Chinese social credit score. So we are going to find if you want to have a family, you want to have children, you will need a medical intervention. And 
That's just a strange prediction that I think you'll see come true. I definitely think that there is going to be something massive that's going to happen in the world before 2025. And there are a few predictions of what that could be. You know, some people think natural disasters, but we also see that there are these Poseidon missile systems in the North Sea that some are saying uh, are in these underwater subs and drones. So think about what tidal waves could do and other things in the world. And, and we might ask ourselves, why would the world powers do something like that if we wanted to just think like a conspiracy theorist for a, for a second? Well, something has to be done to wipe out that world debt. And uh, I definitely think we're going to see a transfer over in many different things. But by the end of the decade, uh, there is going to be a much different world that you're looking at. So you think that collapsing of the currency will happen first and then uh, some kind of uprising? Because I see some kind of uprising taking place around this, because uh, you said 2025, 2024, something around this next presidential election. A lot, it's a lot going of, to be yeah, a, a of, huge uproar. A lot of people are not going to be happy with that legislation. It already exists, you know, that they're going to introduce a centralized digital currency. I think that we already see the uh, very it's been done very cleverly, but there has already been the implementation of these digital ID systems all around the world, whether you want to call it a digital passport system. You're going to see very quickly that those are going to become uh, based on biometrics and you're going to see the measurement of biosynthetics. Uh, another thing that you're going to see in the world, I'm going to make a prediction, is that you're going to see these smart patches that people have to wear on their body. They already exist. Go on Google and look up something called Ambilify My Sight. This is a schizophrenic drug, and there is something called pharmaceutical compliancy that this is a primitive patch that they use right now, but you wear it on your arm, and this patch in its primitive state right now, it senses these smart pills that people take. So when they take these smart pills, it will trigger something in a sensor with your stomach acids over to the patch that goes over to your smartphone that lets your doctor know that you've taken your medications. Well, I don't know if many people out there know this, but from a pharmaceutical point, all of our medicines are now being digital based. Uh, not only in the future, you'll find that nanoparticles are playing more of a part in that with you know, repopulating the optic nerve and other areas like that. However, you'll find that if you go on the news site, go on the news site called Routers, you will find this uh, special ink that was developed in Korea called Mylium. And it can go very, very non-evasively on the arm. And it works in a very similar way, but there's a way that it will signal other electronic um, inter-receptable uh, re receptors that will allow them to measure what sort of uh, different pharmaceutical interventions you've had in your body. And what I mean by that is that moving forward into next year, we're going to find that we have all sorts of new biogenetic technologies coming out that are going to work with this compliancy as we move in the world. And they're going to be these mRNA smart pills that are going to be like a universal flu shot that has all the coronas, has all the everything. People will need them to be able to travel to certain zones in the world for certain privileges. This is going to go hand in hand with these new systems moving forward. So you're going to have a new type of human, a new type of system. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. It is going to change in the world in drastic ways, and it's going to happen very quickly. 
And I'm not saying this as me. I'm not the one doing this. I'm saying this as me looking at what the groups like the WEF are saying. They're saying this publicly and they're saying it at Davos. They're announcing these things. Yeah, it's interesting too, Johnny, that uh, where all of these antidepressants and these anti-anxiety and SSRI uh, drugs came from, they actually came out of the MKUltra uh, programs out of the sub-projects, 149 sub-projects. That's what a lot of them were testing on. They weren't just testing on LSD and hallucinogenic drugs. They were also using antidepressants uh, as a way to... Um, uh, numb people out, like numb their brain and make them more controllable. They were using that at and different hospitals and stuff. It's it's really it's really interesting. But do you see the United States, like a lot of people are talking about right now, how the United States might break up into separate zones or uh you know separate countries or anything like that? Do you think that that's a plausible thing that might happen? Well let's back it up to the MK Ultra stuff. Uh, I think that's really interesting what you said about the SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And uh, there's a whole group of classification in those drugs that they have tested on. But with MKUltra 2, don't forget that where they did a lot of testing up there with that uh, was up at Mall, uh, Laurel Canyon and Mall Holland Drive when you look over in California. And when you look up there, there's some very wealthy families that were uh, around those parts too, that uh, had banking ties that funded some things there around World War II as well. That's very interesting. But um, there, think about all the, the rock groups and different experiments and things that were up there at certain periods uh, when you look at that hi the history of Hollywood and those parts. But um, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the MK Ultra documents that I can find, a lot of the the funders and even a lot of the sub projects have been redacted. So even though a lot of the 149 sub projects have been declassified, a lot of the information about the funders and the uh, the people that were doing it has been redacted. Besides, like Sidney well, Gottlieb yeah. and some of that. You don't. You don't even. You don't even need those drugs anymore. Uh, there are all kinds of psychotronic weapons that have been developed for uh, controlling humans on different wavelengths, and there's stuff they can even do by satellite. You know, they could triangulate someone by their biorhythms. And if you go look up, Wired magazine has written about uh, the voice of God technology and all that. They can use sound vibrations at the back of the head. They can use all kinds of frequency. They can do all kinds of incredible things now with technology that they don't even have to go as far as that. Uh, but as far as your question about breaking up the United States, there most certainly is going to be a change in the future, uh, especially when you see what will happen with these financial systems and where we will go. I think that there is a probability based on what we're seeing. If you look at the news every day, well, what they're talking about, the Atlantic Ridge and the North Sea, that you could possibly see a lot of the East Coast disappear. Uh, and I think that there's going to be some incredible catastrophes. Uh, and uh, they and I don't want them to happen. I really don't. I'm not a I'm not a pessimistic person. I'm an optimist and I don't believe in looking at these negative things. But the architects of society have allowed a lot of society to fall on purpose. And I think we're going to enter a period where it's going to become very chaotic and disruptive in the future. And uh, I'll give you some scenarios that you can look at. For example, um, you know, ahead of time, before things happen, there's certain drills that are done. 
Well, I've been told by certain military folks that there would be certain drills in place for the future that might even involve power outages. Uh, point in fact, they said in Venezuela, that's why there was a lot of blackouts there. They were doing this sort of, that was sort of a drill or a test. Um, also, when you think about what I'm telling you about certain places that oh, there would be disruptions and things coming off the map, if you look at different maps, for example, like uh, even Edgar Casey had a map of what the United States looked like on its coasts. Uh, the I Am movement had a map, if you look that up like Guy Ballard and that movement that certain chunks and parts were missing. Um, there's certain areas that could even be triggered in the future down the Juan de Fuca Strait and areas that would affect all of these areas right across the board. And what I am told at the highest levels is that the default capital of the United States is going to be in Colorado. And that's already been, that's already been done. That's already, people have no idea that's already been done. And mm -hmm. I'll give you some examples. Um, a friend of mine who's very high up in masonry, uh, he showed me a map that is in masonry. It's a dove over the United States. And I've showed this map before. It's a real map. It's a dove that's been drawn over the United States and it shows the wings of the bird and the heart of the, the wings of the bird has been moved. And, uh, the, what it showed is that the, where masonry used to have basically its headquarters in the united states was in washington dc and very famously there's been all kinds of things there in dc well all the all the records have slowly been moved over from there to colorado uh, a lot of the heads of the intelligence agencies uh, everyone uh even fema other groups um are slowly been moved up to colorado now if you've ever been in the colorado airport have you ever been up in denver yes flown in there a couple in of times have you ever been in Denver and seen the apocalyptic scenes upon the walls that look like it's the end of the world? I've seen a few of those, but I came in both times really, really late. And, uh, you know, wondering, it's really weird, the Denver airport, like there's huge halls, like huge, long hallways that nothing is there. Like you could be walking around that airport for a while and not even run into anybody. And I'm thinking, why would they make these halls so freaking big? You know, it makes yeah. absolutely no sense. But I've seen a few of the murals and then being on the tram, if you look down uh, the, the center of the tram, you see there's like a Freemason symbol at the, at the I think, the south end of the wall or something like that that I was really looking for when I was there. But yeah. yeah, no, my, my friend put those up there. Uh, so I know I know the guy that was responsible for getting that done. And the the, the interesting thing about that airport that people don't realize is that the secrets? The secret of all that is, and what the encoded message is, is that this is the safe haven spot. Should we enter into a place of war and pestilence and things going to hell, and it really is, but it's not in the airport itself. Under the airport, there uh, is a, a very complex um, tunnel system. And there's a lot of bullshit out there that people come up with these conspiracy theories that there are some so-and-so is a super soldier that said that they they imploded the reptilian base under there and all the elites were hanging out there having cocktails and all this bullshit. And that never happened. But what it was is that um, it's still there, the underground tunnel system. And they were digging uh, really deep underneath there. And you can see the evidence of this. If you look around the Denver airport and the surrounding area, you'll see these big piles of dirt that are left in the fields. 
and you'll just see them randomly hanging around there. Uh, funny enough, you also see this horse with flashing eyes uh, that when you go out there, and it's it's again a very apocalyptic looking. And the the sad part is the guy that put the bloody horse outside that was sculpting it, he died because it fell on him when he was making it. So the interesting thing about this, if you go in the airport itself and you go under the airport, there is a very advanced train system. And I'm not just talking about like the train systems you hear under Area 51 or Los Alamos where there's these uh, electric train systems that are very fast. This train system has these massive um, train carts on it that can hold very, very heavy tanks. And the train system can move very, very quickly and it can move military equipment. So underground, uh, the train system goes just west of there. I think it's, what is it, 40 miles west or something into the Colorado Rockies. And in the Rockies themselves, in that area built into there, that is the default capital for the United States of America. It is, if things go bad at Washington, D.C., that is where the uh, command moves. And that has been set up that way. And so it is positioned in such a way for the future that they're the safest place in the United States, I've been told, should those times come ahead, uh, are the four corners of the United States. Yeah, I'm like two miles away from the Rockies, two miles away from the base of the Rockies. I've been up there a couple well, of times. It's really nice. You're safe then. You're good yeah. to go should the apocalypse come. <laughs> that's what I was kind of thinking too, because you want to be where, you know, if that's where they're actually setting up the headquarters, I don't think anything too bad is going to happen where they're going to be setting up because they're not going to shit where they eat. Right. And also if you like look around too, there's not very many chemtrails here in this area that I'm in as well. I think there's a yeah, lot no, of stuff uh, going on here. Yeah. Colorado, Colorado's a safe bet. So is uh, Arizona for the most part, uh, parts of Nevada and you'd have New Mexico, maybe some Utah, maybe some of Texas, those areas, those areas are safe. And and people know there's a mass exodus, but you know, there's a lot of places out there right now that uh, are being let they're they're let go on purpose. They're, they're going down. There's a complete collapse in place and it's very sad to watch. There's some very great places. Um, not only the likes of Canada and many areas, but Los Angeles has just gone to just absolute chaos. The last little while, the infrastructure is falling apart. The crime rate is through the roof. London, one of my favorite cities in the world, is 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 extremely unsafe. It's gone down in a big way. Uh, you can't even walk out at night there in most areas, even a nice area like Soho. And you go to all these places, and it, it's very sad to see the state that we are um, being brought into. But it's all like that phoenix that rises from the ashes. There is there is a good future we have ahead as well, but there's a massive transition we have to go through. And unfortunately, you know, we're seeing it before our eyes. Well, it almost sounds like the, the same exact people that are in charge now are also going to be in charge after the collapse. Because right? if they have this safeguarded kind of area where the, they can go to transfer like their power and just kind of, you know, rest out underground, because I think that's really what's been going on this entire time. Because if you look through the, the Vedas and a lot of these ancient texts, it talks about this group of beings that come. Uh, they they hang out for a little bit. Some kind of big natural disaster comes. They leave, and then after the natural disaster is over, they come back and they continue manipulating and and uh, doing things to humanity. And that could be the yeah, same type a, of. Uh, sorry, I was going to say yeah. There's no doubt, Rod, that the the elites of the world are 
predicting something and uh, people don't people have no idea that they're not being told like first of all there's pressure building in the underwater mantle there is and, and that the underwater and mantle if that were to go the complete infrastructure of everything we know is just gonna collapse and go haywire and that could be triggered as well but like the earth also moving through space on a wobble it is communicating with our star every eight minutes or the speed of light so there's a lot of things that can change all of this uh, with our spatial coordinates as well but however when you look at how well they are prepared and what you have been told is a different story so for example a lot of people might not know that when you fly to london's heathrow and you look under terminal five there's a very interesting area under terminal five that all has purple lighting don't ask me how i know and it can hold hundreds of thousands of people. But just as George Carlin says, you know, it's a big club and you ain't in it. And uh, then there's another there's another thing in southern in southern England is a very expensive water filtration system that's all underneath it. Uh, you can also look when we look over at Norway, there's arcs under the city uh, just outside of Moscow in the mountains is an area that can hold a million people. There's areas of refuge in Australia. Um, there is uh, concerns about water and all that all over the world. So you you don't get people <clears throat> being informed about these concerns, but the leaders of the world most certainly are aware of it. So where does disclosure fall into what we're talking about right now? Do you, what's the plan there? Because I just read the new New York Times article. I don't know if you read that or not, but they basically are rolling everything back now. They're saying that most of the anomalies that people see in the sky are either military spy drones or space trash. That one just came out the other day. I don't know if you uh, read it or not. So it seems like they, they're they starting to roll everything back again and use their old techniques that they've always been using this entire time and saying that, you know, after every single event, uh, any kind of UFO sighting or anything like that, they always come out and say after the Washington flap event of 1962, they come out and say, uh, we have no reason to believe that it was extraterrestrial. Right? And they make all these uh excuses uh for all this stuff and now it seems like they, they're just rolling everything back again so oh what... yeah no ab absolutely man i i think i think we are at least i wanted to say about a decade off from getting a real a solid disclosure we have too much stuff we have to go through in i think you're going to get teased here and there and they'll kind of give give you little pieces of the fast food disclosure which you'll continue to see but there's there's much too much stuff that has to happen between now and let's say 2030 or 2032 i think maybe you'll see your last big blowout by 2032 but as as we move into the 2030s obviously there's going to be stuff having to change over and settle in the middle east we have the the western and the eastern systems the financial systems we have uh, different movements and changes. And I, I truly believe that what you just saw happen with Russia, with how this has started, you'll see the, that right now they're they're making it look like Russia's lost. And they're saying, okay, well, Crimea and Donbass, there'll be a settlement. Of course, that will happen. But at the same time, Russia has about a $2 trillion war budget. And I think that there is going to be repercussions uh, from all sides 
Uh, it's very sad because the Ukrainian people are great people and they don't deserve any of this. But uh, and, and I know that because in our country, I talk to them all the time. Uh, we just uh, 9000 new Ukrainian refugees just came here. And uh, it's sad to see. But I think you're going to see this move out into different parts of Europe. You're going to see it move out into different parts of the world, into the waters. And uh, this is going to change us. And uh, it's it's all being the war it seems to be dragged out because also, I mean, let's face it, the when you have wars, the military industrial complex benefits when you say, hey, Here's 40 million, here's 40 billion with a B, 40 billion dollars worth of these weapons who benefits, right? And then, uh, you know, these things go in different directions. But that all that stuff plays a role in delaying forth the disclosure. And if you if you look at the guys upstairs, and there's all different groups visiting us, that's the thing. People think, oh, it's just one group that's controlling us. Uh, there are so many different cooks in the kitchen that are coming here. Uh, let, let's just look at disclosure as to how big and vast of a subject this is. Because, first of all, when we talk about ETs themselves, let's talk about the Greys. We have what we call the Greys, and then we have what we call the Ebens, the extraterrestrial biological entities that some people think are one and the same. They're not. They're two different groups. One, you can have that's uh, millions of years of the uh, ahead of the other one. And they're at war with each other. And, and while they're at war with each other, they actually have these paradoxical time streams or timelines and realities. And they've actually shattered one another's each each of their uh, uh, realities. And they've come at their uh, themselves and they've interfered with us. They've been meddling with us. They have these capabilities of going back and forth into different areas of time and manipulating us. And then you have uh, different groups that people have talked about these various humanoid uh, beings that might be amongst us that are kind of hybrid types that might be like a professor at a university operating at Oxford amongst us, um, different groups that you wouldn't even know, Ryder, they could be at the store with you shaking your hand and getting involved with us. You have all these different cooks in the kitchen with different agendas. And at different times, they've done different deals with different governments on earth. We know that no, there's no doubt that the Germans had their dealings with them. You know, we hear about Maria Orsic, um, you know, the, the very ad advanced things they had with the uh, Hanabus and the Foo Fighters and all that sort of stuff. You have the United States. We talk about uh, Eisenhower and uh, Grenaday, and we talk about this meeting that supposedly took place with the Greys and different interactions with those folks. The Chinese have no doubt had their own interactions. So you have these different groups that are coming here. And why, if you were a bunch of highly advanced extraterrestrials that were coming to make an announcement that you're already, you know, coming to Earth and monitoring these humans like a great zoological experiment, we're just an ant farm to them, rather. So if they're the ones in charge with the different agendas that they all have up there and they're all making these deals with us on Earth, why would they want to come down to Earth and deal with these uh, violent and sometimes chaotic, uh, crazy humans? Uh, it's obvious that if you look down at these certain biogenetic technologies that we're seeing and ways of changing the human genome, let's say you could turn off violent tendencies over time in humans. Let's say you could uh, control the population. Let's say you could change over the way that we function and work uh, and you install that first you said well first of all if all those things are in play well then maybe eventually we'll let them know we're finally here and we'll come there but in the meantime let's keep interjecting 
uh, these various scenarios. So they kind of know we're there. Maybe there's something there. Let's tease them and slowly prepare them. Let's ease it in, but we won't scare them a little bit. So if we give them too much, we'll just dial it back a bit. So I think that's what could be happening. I'm not saying that that's what all disclosure is, but uh, it's my opinion that when disclosure happens, Ryder, it's going to seem like we made it happen. We will discover with the James Webb telescope or a probe, we'll say, okay, we found alien life over there. We're the discoverers. We're the explorers. Hi, guys. We found you because it might be too much for us if they just landed on the White House steps, you know, or on the Absolutely. lawn. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And how many of these ETs do you think would actually be visiting us from a from space and how many of them do you think are actually indigenous to earth and are actually from earth that's a good question uh well first of all i think there's countless beings visiting us there was a certain migration at certain points from different beings here that came from other places uh for example there's a great mythology on earth that certain humans and, and different beings were on Mars. Uh, and one example of that is even here in Hungary, where I am, the Taltosh, who are the shamans, they have a great map that's written on rock that has a map of how the giants got here, their path through space. It said the giants came from Mars, came down here at some point. And funny enough, all the Nobel Prize winning Hungarian scientists are called the Martians, if you look them up, uh, tongue in cheek. But um, the Hungarians, for example, I think are related to the Denisovans, who are very, very, are very, very interesting when you look at who they are, these tall Asiatic folks. And I believe that they were the ones responsible for building the Great Pyramid. And uh, I have reason to believe that. <laughs> Uh, there's certain evidence such as the Hungarian runic language that we find that, that's been found in areas like under the Giza Plateau and then up in Gatenbrink's discovery above the king's chamber. We find other strange markings that match theirs. They are very similar to the ancient Chinese. So there's there's groups on this earth that had incredible knowledge that were going around building pyramids and doing amazing things. I think the reptilians in certain forms and reptilians, I think, are blamed for everything out there. People uh, overuse the word reptilian. Um, uh, I've talked about this before that David Icke really was the one responsible for putting out the whole reptilian meme. Uh, he, But I, I don't know if you've ever heard how he learned about the reptilians, but there, there was someone talking about reptilians before him, obviously. And um, yeah. that was none other than the great Jordan Maxwell. Um, David Icke, originally was brought to America from by Jordan Maxwell when Jordan Maxwell was running the Truth Seeker Company. And when he did that, he learned about two cases. One of them was Nancy, this woman on a military base, and she had interacted with reptilians. Another was a realtor, a real estate developer in Las Vegas. He had encountered a giant reptile being. And David Icke heard that. Um, this made him go into his own uh, research with his awakening. And later on, due to a certain circumstance, he was flown out to meet Credo uh, uh, Mudwa in South Africa, the shaman who told him about reptilians. And then he brought this reptilian meme all over the world saying, hey, the queen and all these people are reptilians. And that went crazy. But from what I've told, what I've been told by people that have been legitimately in military positions with knowledge about extraterrestrials and the unacknowledged special access programs. And I'm not talking about 
the 20 and back special secret space program type of guys running around I'm talking about guys of long military careers in their seventies that do not do interviews that smoke cigars and have a scotch and will tell you things. They tell me, they said to me that reptilians really don't come here as often as you think. And they, they're fierce looking individual, uh, fierce looking creatures. They, there's two different types of them, you know, weighing hundreds of kilos to thousands of kilos and because of the inertia on Earth and our gravity, they can't move that well. I mean, they may have been here at some point in our distant past, been uh, you know here more naturally, but they need a technological intervention, almost like an exoskeleton to be able to move. And it's very, very cumbersome and they move very, very slow. So they need a technological intervention to come here. So this idea that they're controlling everything and they're here is absolute nonsense. Um, and so there, there have been other groups here at certain times that have been that have occupied this planet. The other thing I will say is that there are um, refugees here that our government has. I will say this. This is true. There are refugee areas not only in the United States, uh, and Charles Hall can back this up, that there's been certain areas like in the middle of nowhere or out in the desert where it's almost built like a suburban neighborhood, like a really nice neighborhood that you'd find in the United States somewhere. You know, you'd find basketball courts and driveways and all that sort of stuff. But imagine something that's sealed off. That's a nice little community that nobody can get to. But once a week and different times, groceries and things are brought to them. And there's been sort of uh, deals made where they could stay in certain areas. So we do have ETs here. There are some living amongst us. There's some been here a long time, but our governments do know about them and the public is not ready for it yet. What do you think about um, military abductions and the military having highly advanced aerial technology? And that's mostly kind of what we see in the sky. And it's not necessarily extraterrestrial all the time. And a lot of it is us and that we're responsible for a lot of the abductions and stuff. Because if you look back at the uh, Betty and Barney Hill case, Barney, his first statement was that it was the military that abducted him. And then later on, he changed his story whenever uh, Betty started finding out that she could possibly make some kind of money off of the story and talking about aliens. And then he started changing his story to it was aliens as well. So what do you think about the the military, this being a, a giant military project? I have, I've heard that before. I don't know. I can't really speak to it. I do. I do think there's probably all kinds of special operations and things of that sort to go on. There are all kinds of technologies that have been reversed engineered that the military has uh, things, especially in the uh, black ops special access programs. They have all kinds of anti-gravitics and technology that really mimics the ET stuff. So it, it is entirely possible uh, as far as Betty and Barney, for all I know, they could have been real. Uh, they seem to have a very convincing case. I also want to say that Within any of these cases in the past, we did see a lot of abductions in certain periods happening, and some have hypothesized that maybe this was a deal that was done with the the Ebens or something where they were given a deal that they could do certain amount of abductions on Earth. I, I've also heard that people say that a lot of these little greys that they get in their room and whatnot, they were these autonomous robotic figures. Now, it's been explained to me that 
how that works. This is what abductees have said. Uh, and most certainly, uh, Tim, the tactical advisor on that show con that's uh, on Gaia right now, uh, they, when you go into uh, the show that they, they have with him on there with uh, Emery Smith and, and uh, Rick Doty, they, he, they he talks about the fact that the small greys that have been coming into people's rooms and interfacing with them, that some of them are uh, an autonomous, robotic, biological, half biological, half technological sort of uh, entity. But he said it's an actual entity that is going through them, communicating with them with this almost this transpositioning of consciousness where the the greys are rewarded in their hierarchical systems with bio, half biological vehicles and these entities where they could have them go out and visit people and they could have they could control two or three of them with their mind so they might not have to come into this atmosphere because this coming into this atmosphere is very very hard for these beings so these little beings are the ones that we hear about in these sometimes we hear about them in the abduction cases we hear about them in involved in all kinds of things so it's it's a very interesting idea that is it government versus is it us? I think, honestly, Ryder, I think it's probably a bit of both. I think that that's the only way that they can physically be in our reality is by some kind of consciousness transfer technology. That's apparently what the alien that crashed in Roswell was using. It was using a doll body and it had his trans this consciousness transferred into that doll body so it can move around in this environment. Because I don't think that they can't. It's kind of like what you're talking about with the reptilians. They're not able to move around here. They have to have some kind of technology to help them to move around in this atmosphere. I don't think any of them can move around in our reality physically 3D on this planet without some kind of sort of help or being inside a pre contrived doll body that's been created for them to inhabit well even for you rather if you if you go into space the one thing of you go into space it's going to change your atomic structure and it's the the worst kind of sea the worst kind of sickness you could have is seasickness and it's it's going to be way worse than seasickness when you move out of your circadian rhythms and the only way you're going to be able to do that do that uh, way go out there is you're going to have to need some kind of drugs and you would need a type of technology uh so that you would have to use technology or drugs or the easiest way would be just to transfer your consciousness into another body now as sci-fi as that sounds i believe we're close to achieving what they call a transpositioning of consciousness to have that avatar like factor and i i believe they've already achieved it most and all likelihood inside of these sort of programs where they study this. And what I mean by that is when we look at how your consciousness works, let's say we look at it as a non-local awareness, certain scientists out there that have studied this. And some of these theories right now are, are being disputed on when we look at like the quantum consciousness theory is, uh, is being challenged, but there, there are other avenues that we can explain it by. But the idea is that they've looked at your brain waves, let's say your EEG rhythms, that you have these sort of anharmic vibrations. And we can triangulate that for you, or we can triangulate it like through like your biorhythms. And that's sort of like your IP address that I think will work like that on, in the future on quantum communication networks. So if we can triangulate that through you in the future, they'll be able to just move that 
and you could go somewhere else or into another body. So it's, it's very interesting. I think all these different groups probably use a different means to come here. What if it's all the same kind of consciousness, right? And they're just up there playing games and they're just switching out their bodysuit, like how we go to the closet and put on a different pair of clothes every day. We change out our shirt, we change out our pants and our boxers and all that. What if they just go to their closet and change out a different skin, uh, a different avatar to wear sure. and then go out sure. and do what? their little agenda? Well, well why not? Um, you know, here's the thing is that right now we have we have a technology we're just learning about that was developed over 30 years ago. So, I mean, there's a lot of technologies that people don't know about, uh, and I'll get to some of them in a second. Uh, but one of them are these kinetic holograms. So over 30 years ago, a friend of mine told me he was stationed at this uh, place underground near Nevada where they were developing a technology of a hologram, a military grade hologram that could walk in the room, hand you a document, shake your hand and then vanish before your eyes. And he said it was absolutely realistic. And I'm not talking about, you know, like Michael Jackson or Tupac performing on a stage. I'm talking about like real as day. And he told me that by the end of this decade, we'd have interactive holograms in our home. That's how you would watch Netflix. He said that it's going to be a part of everything. And you're just hearing about this now that they have the kinetic holograms that you can shake their hands and touch them and it feels real. And they can uh, come into the room with you uh, of different uh, spatial coordinates and they can move around and all that sort of stuff. Well, picture this. You could have uh, an energetic chimeras structure, meaning chimeras mean it could change into anything. And a picture of this, if you could have whatever coordinates you want, where you could use that as a vehicle that possibly could explain some of these interactions people have had with beings that have come up to them, shaken their hand, like the stories of the angels in the Bible that came up to someone, talked to them for a while, they turned around, they were gone, or they vanished before their eyes, that you could be up at a ship somewhere, but you could be down here interfacing, walking around, uh, greeting Ryder and uh, taken off. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've I've read that article. I believe you posted it on Facebook, and I, I read it. Very, very interesting article how they're using this holographic simulation tech. Uh, and I think that that's a high possibility that that's what a lot of these uh, secret space program and these super soldiers and all that are claiming that they you know, went in this 20 and back program and they went to Mars, to the moon to fight aliens. I believe it's a high possibility that it was an actual holographic simulation. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it, it easily could be a holographic simulation. We're not far off from that. A lot of people think the metaverse and Neuralink and all that is a long ways away. It's not. The cell phone is already dead. I will tell you this. People don't even realize that, for example, how how far this technology is. They, they have no idea how far this technology is. We have the technology right now, Ryder. Like, go look this up for everybody. Go, everybody at home watching, listening, go look this up. Nanocarbon diamond batteries made of radioactive waste. They can hold a charge for 10,000 years. We can literally take your phone and we can make it so you don't have to charge your phone again, your cell phone for 10,000 years. You have been held back intentionally on the wet cell battery. In fact, uh, you know, if you look at what Colonel Corso said on the day after Roswell, all the things you have from Velcro to transistors, LED, 
uh, nitinol, which is nickel, um, uh, titanium and all that me uh, memory metal, all that stuff that came from the, the crash crafts that was reverse engineered. It was given to us, but certain things we've been held back on. If we didn't have those and they weren't given to us in the way that they were, we would still be in the T model for T model Ford era. The reason we've been given those is to help us advance, but certain things we've been held back on. But because we didn't earn it naturally, we were just given it, we're still not evolved to the point where we want to be. And you might say that in the world, there's two groups that are running the show. One that wants to speed us up and they want to see us evolve faster. And one that wants to slow us down and take us down a notch because they don't think we're ready for it. So you have these two things that are taking place. And, you know, as far as this technology goes and where we're going to go, it's absolutely sci-fi and it's crazy but when it comes to mars and all that stuff that that interesting stuff you were talking about how that could be simulated the cell phone's dead and what you're going to find and this might scare some people but this isn't me talking this is what our futurists are saying there's lots of interesting futurists talking about this you're going to have you're going to move from cell phones to wearables but for, uh very quickly you're going to get uh, an augmented receiver. Now, this augmented receiver for augmented reality that you'll see on top of our reality is also going to come with an optical display. So you're going to find that not only will you move quickly from glasses to contact lenses, but after that, you'll just snort a piece of technology up your phone. It's going to go into your neural networks, and it's going to work as an augmented receiver and an optical display. And you can power these things because right now, Ryder, you give off 100 watts. Your body does. If you open up your cell phone and look in the back, it only says 30 milliwatts. You give off more than that. Every human being does. You can power these things up. You can be on a quantum communication network. You could literally be in the movie theater. And I, I think people in you know, 25 years are going to have some amazing technology. They're going to live longer. They're going to have all this amazing technology that's mind-blowing. Uh, it's just these next 15 years, I think, are going to be really crazy. We got to go through. But you're going to eventually be in a movie theater. Everyone around you might be watching the movie, but you'll get a phone call. It might be Chris on the other line calling you, and you'll be able to listen to music or answer the phone, pull up a screen, pick out a bunch of stuff, and you can hear everything, and nobody else around you can hear it. You can even show him what you're looking at, hang up the call. That's it. And the the cell phone will be dead. It's going to be gone. That's where we're headed. But I think all this technology is being tr trickled down to us. So if you think about that and how you could interface in the metaverse that they're building and all this stuff and the metaverse, it has more interest than people think. People go, oh, you know, oh, that will never succeed. It's 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 the way that they're taking it. And so, yeah, it could succeed. But I want to add one more thing, Ryder. Uh, if you want to know where a lot of those Mars stories came from the last few years and why some of them are so crazy, is that if you go back to Project Camelot, are you familiar with Project Camelot? Yes. If you go back to Project Camelot and uh, Project Avalon and all that sort of stuff and the days of Kerry Cassidy, there was a guy on there named Henry Deacon, and uh, his real name was Arthur Newman. And he disappeared shortly after he started talking and he was a physicist and he talked about some incredible stuff, but he started talking about stuff he shouldn't have been talking about. And uh, one of the things is that he was talking about was Mars. And he, he also talked a lot about 
the jab and other things that were coming. If people pay close attention to what he said, he said a lot of very interesting things years before they happened. So pay attention to what he said. But when you listen to what he had to say, he talked a lot about what was up on Mars. Now, Mars isn't as fancy as what you see in the movies. You know, there isn't Channing Tatum running around Jupiter ascending and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> there, You might say there's some primitive stuff they've done up there. There's some areas like the Marianas Trench, uh, some very deep areas, low, low types of gravity and uh, not much of an atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. Um, but he talked about stuff he shouldn't have been talking about. So what he he received a warning, essentially, from what I was told. And to offset what he said, which was premature, because he talked about Mars way earlier than he should have talked about it. Uh, you saw a lot of guys then coming out years later talking about like jump rooms where they're up there with Obama and they're having lunch with him and all kinds of different stories that were coming out. Mars, one disinformation campaign after the other would roll out years later. I'm not naming any names, but you get the picture. Yep. It's a giant, it's a giant cover up to cover up what they're really doing. That they, yeah, well, that, that's a rudimentary thing. And then they put out all the secret space program and the super soldier stuff to cover up what they're the real rudimentary uh type of uh thing that they're doing on the planet, right? Uh, my yeah, I mean, base? Even, yeah, even Elon Musk is gonna be surprised on being told about some of the private contractors and groups let's say the uh mining and claims let's say in the asteroid belt and all kinds of industrial things that are going on up there there there's some stuff out there from uh i want to say like if you want to say like a corporate uh private contractor basis is is going on up there in space that's very very interesting that so not everybody's aware of when do you think that we landed people on Mars? And how do you think that we got there? Did we get there in a standard uh, rocketry like we've all been uh, told that we got to the moon in? Or was it a highly advanced anti-gravity craft that I, got us there? I'm told that there's vehicles that exist that it takes longer for you to put your seatbelt on than it does to take you to get there. Because there's a, a transpositioning when you when you take um when you take gravity space and lineal proportional distance you can transposition them so you can go like you can take something and just rearrange it from the coordinate of where you want to be so it's it's that simple but secondly i want to say that uh with what's going on uh this is going to sound kind of crazy but i don't care what people think this is just mm -hmm. what i'm told and i talk to people that are um in a position where they come to me and they tell me things and um, very humbly, I'm not trying to say that I I think that their information is infallible or it's, there's nothing, you know, it can't be wrong, but this is just what I'm told that there are people, folks on this planet that I happen to know that are close to, let's say very wealthy interests that let's say that are part of the royal families and lineages of uh that are in like let's say Lincolnshire and other places that the food on their dinner plate rider does not come from here and they have fruits that do not come from here when her majesty the queen was still alive you may have uh you might find articles about this that say that she would only eat a special type of fruit uh, certain mangoes and fruits that she would not eat from any other source that she had her own source and 
I was very interested to hear that when I asked where they're from, they said up there. And I said, really? And um, someone was telling me that these there are private contractor groups for the very for the very rich uh, and other experiments that have been done where there's been certain uh, gardening and fruits and things growing up in space because it's denser and has better flavors and a higher nutrient concentration. And I said, well, how are these things getting here? And I was actually told that if you go out, let's say, for example, in the Indian Ocean, there is a little place. Uh, if they go look at that little place called Mauritius, off the off the side of Mauritius, there is a little place called Diego Garcia. And Diego Garcia is a little Mickey Mouse um, little landing spot place. But Diego Garcia is not really all that exciting. It's just a little sort of landing pad. And when you see this, what happens is I'm told the space cargo comes down, lands on there. And then underneath that, there's a uh, an electric railway system, underwater system. And when you look where that goes off to Australia and other areas, there's a very sophisticated way for space cargo to get here. And I'm not just talking about food and strange things. I'm talking about precious metals and exotic materials. And there's uh, places like this in the Atlantic and the Pacific. And you can look look these places up, like even SpaceX has them. So the, you don't even know that these things are coming down from private contracting groups. So it's very interesting that there's a lot of stuff going on in space that we have no idea. We only hear, hey, they, they SpaceX might send a rocket off next week, or what is NASA doing, or is Bezos going up there? You know, there's a lot more going on uh, in the meantime. So you think that they're growing these kinds of fruits and these vegetables and stuff on a craft in space, or do you think that they're actually planting them on a planet and having them grow and then bring I would, them yeah i would say in different different areas they have uh that have been built up probably like greenhouses uh spots like that like facilities and structures uh, that are apparently they're they're growing them up there that's what i was told but um the individual mm -hmm. that told me that i i was absolutely shocked to hear it because they're a very reliable source interesting so probably got about 10 more minutes here. Let's talk about the, we talked about Mars. Let's talk about the moon. What do you think that there are people on the moon? Do you think that we've, that we're, that there are bases on the moon, that there's some kind of military presence on the moon or what do you think? Is going oh, absolutely. On? There's all, there's all kinds of things on the moon. I mean, I'll tell you a, a story. Uh, when you go back into the ufologist, Timothy Good. And uh, Timothy Good was a British ufologist. And a lot of people don't know this, but Timothy Good got a lot of his material from Gordon Crichton. Gordon Crichton was the uh, publisher and the editor of the Flying Saucer Review from the 1950s. I think it was 1954 he started it. it was the most, It's still the most prestigious UFO magazine out of the UK. And uh, anyhow, Timothy Good, he was uh, gr great at writing about these things. But... Um, he has a story that he ran into this uh, lady who I believe it was an MI6 agent and she was at a party and she ran into Neil Armstrong. And he said that when they went up to the moon, that when they went there, they were terrified of what they saw. There was a welcoming party waiting for them. They were not alone. And so this is why the moon landing footage was faked. I do believe we went to the moon. In fact, when we went to the various Apollo missions, we left these reflectors on the moon. We left actual reflectors up there. And we use those reflectors now to shoot lasers up to the moon. And 
we, you can look this up. We, we do it all the time. We measure how long the reflector takes to bounce back the laser back from Earth. And uh, we do it at, at various times of the year. So the idea that we didn't go there is untenable. However, I do think that Kubrick helped fake the moon landing. And there is a book out there by a guy named, I believe his name is David Bryant. Uh, he wrote a book called Our Forbidden Moon. You can look it up. And in there, there is a pictures that he has. And he shows these things called the Cardington hangers. And the Cardington hangers are in the UK. And they had the exact replica of the surface of the moon. Everything was replicated in there. And it's funny that the, that when you look over at Kubrick, after he had uh, you know, worked with these guys, he had been there doing stuff with them. And I have no doubt he's the one that faked the moon landing footage that people eventually saw. Uh, he had these Hasselblad cameras that were given to him as a gift from NASA. And it was no doubt, you know, before he went off to make his movies, you know, like Space Odyssey and all the other stuff that he had got these cameras from doing this footage. Now, why would they want to fake the moon landing footage? You know, we, we know if we know we went there. Well, it's very obvious that whatever they saw up there was absolutely shocking. Now, with that being said, I do think that there's bases and various things up there. And uh, it's it's very interesting that we've kept it such a, a secret for so long. It's interesting too, like how how did we get there though, right? And I, I'm kind oh, of I mean, in a, the Germans, in a, the Germans I'm in were a, smart, Ryder. The Germans figured it out a long time ago. They were very smart. Yeah, it's uh I think I'm kind of in agreement with um William Tompkins on this one that that the the rudimentary rocket was like a cover and we built uh something else. Uh, under the guise of the rocket uh, to get us to the moon. Because Werner von Braun talking about that it would take a rocket the size of the Empire State Building to get to the moon. You know? Yeah, well, and he was in the era of space tech. So. The Germans were very smart. They they figured it out uh, a long time ago. And uh, You they, think that they, they were the first ones to get to the moon were the Germans? Oh, yeah. I I, I tend to think that they had already figured it out. And I also think that, um, that, you know, what we're told, we're only told a fraction of what's really out there. But at the same time, there have been so many reports of, you know, you, you hear that, um, that Lockheed skunk works. They said, we already have the uh, ability to send ET home. You know, we, we already have this sort of tech, but it would take an act of God to get it out of, uh, you know, get it out of where it is, the permissions to put it out there. I think sometimes that these videos of Tic Tac incidents and other things, they're, they're sometimes shown on the news in other ways to kind of let our allies and maybe the people around the world know what kind of technology we're sitting on. But there's no doubt all the governments in the world know, they all know that this stuff exists. They're all very aware of it. I think the UK is very good at keeping secrets, so they don't talk about it as much. But uh, there's a lot of folks coming up. There's been a lot of folks that come out about it in the United States and other places. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, hopefully we see it. We see some of this tech in our lifetime that's coming from out there. Hopefully we get to see it up close. I agree, and uh, thank you so much, Johnny, for coming on my show. I appreciate you a lot, brother. I had a wonderful conversation. Uh, can you let people know where they can find you online, anything that you want to plug, website, uh, social media, anything like that? 
No problem, Ryder. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. I know this is very early for you. This is the evening for me here in Europe. But uh, yeah, they can find me at www.johnnyenoch.com. They can also find me on Gaia. I have a show called Mystery Teachings. I have another show that is on Billy Carson's Forbidden Knowledge TV called The Odyssey of Enoch. And Odyssey of Enoch Season 2 is going to be premiering with Zohar Entertainment coming up next week on their YouTube channel. So don't miss that. And everybody, keep subscribing to Ryder and great shows like this. Support him and uh, give him a donation. Throw him that love. Share this video with your friends. And thank you all for watching. Thanks so much, Johnny. I appreciate you. The links to all of Johnny's information will be in the description of this video. For everyone else, thanks for watching, listening. Much love to everyone in the chat. Please be sure to hit the thumbs up button to help the channel out in the YouTube algorithm. Share, subscribe, hit the bell icon as well for notifications. And remember, we're not only in a spiritual war, but a war on humanity. Stay aware, stay alert, keep loving your heart for everyone. Stay safe out there. And if you can see through the illusion, you are the solution. See you guys next time.